it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. That was drilled deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. Dia. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! And with that, we are off. Tommy Caroselli alongside Real 7 Costanza. This is Gap to Gap, brought to you by the Breakdown Sports. You'll notice that we are without one of our members today. And that's why I got this beer. We're pouring one out for uh, for at Gordon Von Denham. El Jefe uh, has got bigger fish to fry than us seven. So, I mean, it's yeah. just us, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it was sad to see him go. Uh, he's still with us in spirit. And obviously, um, it's going to be a little different moving forward. Just the dynamic duo here for the time being. But uh, rest assured, Jordan has said he will try to make appearances throughout the season. So, uh, gone but not forgotten, Jordan Whitney, so pour some out for him. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth there, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> so we're off and rolling again, gap to gap, this is episode 5, and we got to start on, on a little bit of a somber note with the big news coming out uh, Sunday night, we're recording on Monday, uh, David Ortiz shot in the Dominican Republic currently listed as in stable condition. Uh, the Red Sox have sent a private charter. They're moving uh, Big Poppy from the DR to Boston for further treatment. Uh, the bullet forced doctors to remove his gallbladder and parts of his colon. Boy, just a sad, sad story in, in uh, what was reported as an attempted robbery. Seven, what was your immediate reaction? Uh, I'm guessing you got the alert on your phone. Actually, you did because you, you put it in our group chat and, and broke it to me. Uh, what was yeah. your immediate reaction? Yeah, so I uh, I was like going through Twitter and because obviously Twitter is never I I I go there for news and everything, but I saw like something on my timeline just kind of pop up. It said breaking David Ortiz has been shot. So immediately, like for me, just thinking like no fucking way this is real. Um, and then I did a little bit more digging because the news was just starting to roll in at that point. So no no one really knew what was real and what was fake. And then some uh, publications from the Dominican Republic started picking it up, and before you knew it, it was uh, like a trending topic. I uh, did some digging, um, but yeah, just it's sad news overall. Um, coming from a Yankees fan, obviously, you never want to see anything like that ever happen to anyone, no matter who they played for or who they're affiliated with. And I, I actually love David Ortiz. He's, I think he's always been a class act. Um, he killed my Yankees so that's always a sore spot for me but uh, I really wish him the best he means so much to this city because I I live in Boston so obviously like all my friends are huge Ortiz fans huge Red Sox fans but yeah just terrible news Uh, I guess the only silver lining here is that he's in stable condition they're bringing him back to Boston which I think is probably the best thing for him at this point but yeah so 
when the news broke, it was just kind of like shock and just waiting for everything to kind of become legit, even though you don't really want it to be true, but you want to hear what happened and get the whole story. But yeah, so we're still getting the whole story. We're not sure the details leading up to it, but yeah, right now, Poppy is, I believe, on his way back to Boston, if he's not already here yet. I haven't heard any other updates. I've been following uh, Carabas uh, a lot lately just to try to get some of that news from him because I know he's pretty plugged in with the Sox, so we'll see. Um, either way, if we get any news, we can update it as we record. But right now, what we know is that they sent the plane to your point, Tommy. They're bringing him back to Boston. He'll undergo further treatment, and hopefully he can make a quick recovery. You said you're in Boston, and, you know, even when I was there for the short three days, like, you just tell how much that city loves David Ortiz. What's the mood around the city right now? Like, is it almost like, I don't I don't want to compare it to something as, as like, like an actual, like a, a national emergency, but, like, is it, like, like visibly affecting people? Like, he's a hero to, to a lot of these people. Yeah, no, for sure, and that's kind of, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. It's not, like, a, a national emergency or... Or, or anything like that, but for what this man did for the city and what he continues to do for the city, it is just incredible to see, like, how many lives he has touched, and I know from just speaking to people today and, like, kind of hearing, you know, the water cooler talk at, at work and everything, just people kind of filtering in and out and talking about the news, uh, no one obviously had anything but good things to say about Ortiz, but it's, it is, it's just kind of like a it's a weird thing to speak about because you never really imagine it happening, especially to someone like this, such a big icon. And he really is the face of that franchise for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. When you think about it, all the clutch hits he's delivered. So yeah, it's just a very somber state of affairs here. Um, so there's not much, everyone's just kind of still in shock at this point, I think. Yeah. And, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, even to, to somebody like me who wasn't a, uh, a Red Sox fan or, or ever lived in Boston, but you know, it's, it, it's impossible to ignore the impact that David Ortiz has not only had on, on uh, the city of Boston, but baseball as a whole. Um, one of my most vivid memories is, was right after the Boston uh, bombing when he took the mic and said, this is our fucking city. Oh yeah. Just absolute legend. So obviously wishing him the best. And it, you know, if you take a look at the security footage and, and boy, is it, it's, it's harrowing. Um, it it kind of looks like Ortiz was targeted. Yeah, absolutely. And the videos, I mean, it, it's disturbing to watch on both accounts, just, you know, seeing how it all kind of unfolded. Cause they showed the video moments before the shooting happened and everyone was having such a good time, uh, is in front of that club and he's with all his friends and his entourage there. And then, you know, who's to say, you know, two minutes later, you're going to get shot. Right. And, the Dominican Republic, for all intents and purposes, has not been a safe place the last few weeks. But, again, you just never expect it to happen to someone like this who should be so well protected. And, and he's done so much for that community, too. It's just you can't think of anyone that would be out for blood in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the footage is going to keep rolling in. I'm sure there was a lot of people that were there that have some other footage that they're going to share. But at, at the time, it's, it's disturbing just to watch it. Yeah, but so for now, it's listed as an attempted robbery. David Ortiz on his way back to Boston in stable condition. So uh, as cliche as it sounds, our thoughts and prayers go out to David Ortiz and all his loved ones uh, as as the situation continues. But moving back to baseball, uh, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell finding homes. It's something we've talked about all year, even back into the offseason. 
Uh, Keuchel going to the Braves. Kimbrell going to the Cubs. Uh, thoughts on the signing, Seven. So for both of these guys, I feel like they both ended up in pretty solid spots, um, especially Kimbrell. For, for, my, for my money, Kimbrell got the better end of the deal. He got a three-year deal. He's signing with a first-place team. Um, the Cubs needed that help in the, in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, they lost their closer this season, and Pedro Strope has been filling in admirably. Steve Ciszek's been getting a few saves here and there. But I think for the Cubs to be able to go out and get a guy like this who, for all intents and purposes, is just a lockdown closer. We know he's an elite closer. He's done it his whole career. Um, so I think it, Kimbrell's definitely got the better end here. Keuchel is an interesting one for me because there is reports coming out that, and, and I don't know how true they are, and we kind of hit it on it, or hinted at it before we started recording here today, but um, a scout said that Keuchel was reportedly thrown between like 85, 86, struggling to get it up to 88, 87 in that range. Um, we know he's not like a flamethrower by any means. He's an off-speed guy. He relies on off-speed, swing and miss stuff. And he's all about timing. He's kind of like Tom Glavin in that regard. Very control-oriented pitcher. But if that's the case, I, I don't know. I, it's just, it's weird because we know, and he had a great start in his first tune-up in the minors in single A, but until he actually does it in the majors, I'm a little concerned. Uh, if I'm a Braves fan, if that report is true, uh, I know he's pitching really well against single-A hitters, and he was pitching well against the Juco hitters when he was doing showcases and everything like that, but... I'm just a little concerned um, in that regard, just to know that his stuff m- might not all the way, be all the way back yet. Again, this is why they're stretching him out, so we'll see. But the Braves, it's a good landing spot for him. Um, they're, it's a tight division there, for the most part. I, they still have the Phillies to deal with. They're going to be neck and neck with them. Uh, the Mets obviously aren't really a powerhouse, so that he, he gets to pitch against the Mets. The Marlins, of course, we know them. And then... Uh, the Nationals, again, we, we hit on them last week. They're kind of a uh, they're a tricky one to figure out right now because they could go on a streak. Who knows? But, yeah, so it's a good landing spot. It's not the best spot I thought he could end up in, but we'll see what happens with them. I think, for all intents and purposes, both guys finally got what they needed. Kimbrell, I think, sneaks out a little bit more just because he got more years on his deal, so he has more control that, with uh, that signing, at least. Yeah, it took the words right out of my mouth. Kimbrell definitely, I think, is in the better spot because of you know he's getting 10 million this season 16 in both 20 and 21 um and then allegedly and is there an option for 22 as well a vesting I'm option I'm not sure about that yeah I'm not sure it might it could be a team option if anything I don't think they would give him a player option coming off of a long absence like that if there is the, one the, Heyman reports there's a vesting option while it becomes a club option if it doesn't yep. vest the buyout's okay. 1 million all right, okay. yeah, so that's okay, pretty so standard yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I like it. I, I think Kimbrell definitely comes out ahead. Like you said, he's a first-place team. Keuchel, um, I think Keuchel kind of fucked himself here. Yeah. He's he's in a decent spot, you know, second-place team in a, in, a, in a rotation that, you know, when he gets to that big league level uh, of readiness, he'll, he'll fit into that rotation. But, boy, if those reports are true like you were referring to, I don't see any teams looking to throw big money at him this winter. That's the thing, too. And, I mean, he... So, Keuchel, to me, is like a poor man's Tom Glavin. I know he won the Cy Young. I know he's had a great track record. But I've never been completely, like, blown away by him, if that makes sense. Just, like, the seeing eye test. 
I've just never fallen in love with Keuchel's stuff. And I know he's had great success. I'm not taking anything away from him in that regard because, obviously, I'm not the one facing him, thank God. Uh, I'd probably shit my pants if I had to face any of these guys, but (laughs) (laughs) for for being honest. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Keuchel's a weird one to me. For the Braves, this is a good signing for them in the sense that they get a veteran who can lead their rotation more so from that standpoint of just having a veteran leadership because they're such a young team. So I think they were really craving someone like that to kind of fill in just not a stopgap, but be kind of like the glue that holds them together because you still have young guys like Soroka, Fultonavich, uh, Max Fried, who's been struggling a little bit lately. Gosman, I believe, is probably going to get bounced out of the rotation. And you still have Tehran. So this is a good signing for the Braves more so than it is for Keuchel, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, Keuchel is now, this is his fourth year removed from that Cy Young. He's 31. I mean, even if he goes out and shoves, not saying he's going to return to his Cy Young form, but let's say he just returns to his last year form where he threw, he had a 3.74 ERA, carried mm-hmm. 200 innings, which obviously won't happen this year. Um, and uh, struck out 153, with a wh- and that put his whip at 1-3. Is anybody going to throw four or five years at a 32-year-old? I don't think you will. Um, yeah. This, is, this isn't a case like Verlander, you know, where Verlander exactly. seems to have gotten better um, as he aged. So I don't see it happening. And I think the smart play for Keiko probably would have been taking a multi-year deal when he had the shot, knowing that he probably wasn't going to get top dollar that he believed he deserved. But again, crazier things have happened. Who knows? Maybe this will rejuvenate him like we saw with Verlander when he left the Tigers to go to the Astros. Or Garrett Cole when he left the Pirates to go to the Astros. Maybe he should have just resigned with the Astros because it sounds like that. I was <laughs> just about go. to say yeah. that. I mean, I mean, Trevor Bauer threw that, that, that shade at them saying, oh, it's really weird that guys go to Houston. All of a sudden their spin rate jumps 200 RPMs um, yeah. or 2,000, whatever it was. Um so I'm I, and and now you mentioned he's out of Houston and he doesn't look as sharp. Weird. Yep. <laughs> I mean I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. Uh, moving past that, uh, hate to do it to you, seven. That's all right. Tribe, <laughs> two out of three against the Yanks uh, in a pretty wild Sunday. You guys avoid the sweep. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Let me. Were were you and and Yankees Twitter just kicking yourselves for dropping two out of three and being in a position to be swept by the Indians? Absolutely. So <laughs> the <laughs> this was that. like this this series for me was like thank God they salvaged that game on Sunday. Um, but the first two games, like man, you're talking about like that Friday game. They just, like, they didn't look good. Um, I, and it was so funny because the whole news was about Didi's coming back. Didi's going to be the savior now moving forward. Their lineup's starting to get healthy. But we forgot that they still have to pitch. So <laughs> the, the pitching the pitching just did not come to play in, in Cleveland. And it was nice seeing Didi swinging the bat again. Um, so it looks like he didn't really miss a beat in terms of hitting. However, on Sunday, he gave me quite the scare um the, i was gonna say uh, for those of you who didn't see uh it was the yankees jumped out to a five nothing lead in the second inning indians oh, chip yeah. away chip away uh it was six five indians 
get uh, a run off of Raldis Chapman on a ball that, I mean, he Didi uh, looked like he was going to backhand, and it hits, hit him square in the knee, bounces into left field, Jose Ramirez scores, oh. tie game, Yankees then win it in the 10th, but still. <laughs> well, I mean, for it, it, the the best part of that, for, it's so ironic. Didi Gregorius, they were saying all week, like, we are not going to play him in one of these games this weekend. Like, we will not. We're going to stay true to that formula. We're going to ease him back in slowly. And I was I was fine with that. Like, the guy's coming off a major surgery. Let him get back into the swing of things. He looked like he was starting to pick up pace again. Fine. All right, set him out. Yankees, to your point, 5 nothing lead in the second. So we're sitting pretty. I, I'm watching the game just uh, hanging out. It's kind of a boring game for the most part. And then, of course, you know, the bullpen comes in. It's like, it was a bullpen game to begin with, but Tommy Canely comes in. Immediately now we're looking at 5-4, and then Ottavino gives up some runs. It's like, you got to be shitting me at that point. I'm, like, freaking out. Um, Chapman was able to get to, So he didn't pitch well either, but leading up to that play that you were mentioning, Tommy, with Gregorius, like, it looked like the guy had never played the fucking field before. It went off of his knee and caromed into left. So, yeah, Ramirez scores, and so now I'm freaking out. And then, It straight up looked like his controller died. Yeah, it, just, it looked. Yeah, it really did. It looked like that, that's the best, probably the best analogy you can come up with. Uh, he just looked out of sorts. And I was even more nervous in the next inning because, I mean, Aaron Hicks delivered um, to bring it back to the 6-5, but when the next inning, and Stephen Tarpley, who they had just called up that day, guy comes in with like a 9-5 ERA. So I'm not exactly um, very happy at this point because I'm like, wow, they couldn't bring in anyone else. They brought in a fucking rookie <laughs> to close a game out. Welcome um, to the game, Rook. Yeah, welcome to the show, Steve. Uh, 3K, so he looked adequate. But, yeah, uh, I'm very happy they escaped with at least one win because getting swept by the Indians... No, 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 go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. (laughs) That would have been pathetic. I mean, the the Indians have such a bad offense, so it was... Oh, my gosh. You know, you've been saying year in, year out, oh, the Yankees trotting out a triple-A lineup. Uh, Did you see what I have to deal with this weekend? Oh, yeah, no, I got a a nice close look at it, so yeah, my condolences. (laughs) But when you see Tyler Naquin hitting third and fourth some days, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is like... This is yep, but uh, yeah, no, it it go it it's weird because it goes to like the whole issue with this Indians team, and that's going to be the health of their starting pitching, which is a great segue into the news about your boy Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, uh, listed as out indefinitely with a blood condition. It's just another thing. Like, just it's fucking scary. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and it, it makes you think because, you know, Carrasco's out with the blood condition. Um, Leonis Martin missed the better part of last year after being acquired by the Indians because he had some sort of blood condition slash almost died slash they never really reported what it was. Jesus. But yeah, like that's the thing. So <clears throat> I was at uh I was at a game right. They required re- yeah they acquired him. Uh, at the waiver, or like right after the uh, the trade deadline on like the waivers uh, trades or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was at the game. I was really pumped to see this. You know, I I'd seen him play in Detroit. Really looking to see him play in an Indians uniform. And uh, I get to the ballpark and find out he's been scratched from the lineup. And I'm scrolling through Twitter and 
one of the uh, the Indians beat reporters listed or said that Tito goes, yeah, he was scratched with intestinal turmoil. So I'm sitting with my dad. I'm like, ah, hey, he's got the fucking shits, and and, and, and he's he's got diarrhea, diarrhea, and and Tito scratched and was trying to make a joke out of it. No, nah, it turns out the guy was not. Next thing you know, all the players have have LM13 on their hats, and it fi- find come to find out he had a blood infection that was attacking his organs, and the oh. guy almost died. They were saying he might not ever play baseball again, and and here I am making jokes about it, saying he's got the shits. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, when you term it like that, it's like, oh, so yeah. you have some bad McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Pants right now. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, oh, so, so now and now Carrasco's on the shelf uh, indefinitely with a blood condition. What the fuck's going on in Cleveland's training room? The thing with the Carrasco, it reminds me, it's eerily similar, because the symptoms he was describing, how it's just like super fatigue and he can't, he's just lethargic. Um, it reminds me of that condition Rocco Baldelli had that really derailed his career. And I don't know if his was a blood condition of, of like, a similar sort. I know they called it, like, a mitochondrial uh, deficiency or something like that. I'm not a doctor, clearly, but... Um, <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> clearly, yeah, I, saying he's got the shits. Yeah, that's my best Hugh Laurie impression. I'm no fucking Dr. House, but it sounds like it was a very similar type of deal where uh, the symptoms line up so if that's the case there's treatment I think I, I don't re- remember um, if it took with Baldelli if it again if it's similar to that but yeah it's, it's scary when you think about it like obviously as a pitcher uh, when you see an injury you never want it to be an elbow or a shoulder you never think about a blood condition right so exactly um, yeah it's just, it's just scary because it's so out of the ordinary but um, I, I really hope he makes a comeback because I do like Carlos Carrasco. He's a good pitcher. He's kind of the cog in that rotation too. When you think about it, when they're all right healthy. now, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Kluber. We know what Kluber does. Bauer's great when he's on. Clevenger, who they're getting back, I believe, relatively shortly now. Um, so yeah, Clevenger's got a rehab start tomorrow, Tuesday, in Double okay. uh, A Akron. So we'll see. But he's on his way. Yeah, he's, he's on, on his way. way. And then they have Bieber fever, um, but yeah, Carrasco was kind of like this cog in the in the rotation to stabilize things. So yeah, it's it's a scary thing when you lose a pitcher like that to something that's so kind of mysterious. I'm sure they have a better grip on it, and we as the fans don't really know everything yet. But uh, I really hope he makes it back soon, and I hope it's not you know a career thing where it's uh, it's threatening his career. I, I really do hope he comes back. Yeah, you and me both there. And just to wrap up on Indians Yankees. Uh, with the Yankees pulling that game out on Sunday, I, I don't remember the exact year, but they were talking about it on the Indians broadcast, that the Indians haven't swept the Yankees at home, I think since 1974, Jesus. or some some shit like that. It, it's, it's some obscene amount of years. And I, I meant to write it down, but I was at a restaurant when they said it, and I was pissed that I couldn't <laughs> uh, I couldn't like get like see the closed captioning quick enough. Um, Actually... If you want to hear something that'll make you feel better about the Yankees against another central team, the Twins are abysmal against the Yankees. So just keep that in mind. It's, All right, it's so I think we, it's a trend. Can we make that schedule happen where the, the Twins are playing the Yanks every day now? Cause That'd be we, great, yeah. We need some L's. <laughs> I need some L's. Yep. <laughs> All right, moving past, our, moving past our team uh, to Jordan's, wherever he's at right now. Um the Rays taking three out of four against the Red Sox. 
Uh, but the Sox are kind of keeping their head above water despite this a tough series with, with Tampa. Um, and it, it, As we speak right now, Monday to Wednesday, uh, the Rangers and Red Sox got a pretty crucial series um, to see who's going to be uh, really still in the race, who's going to be treading water, who's buying, who's selling. Uh, as we speak right now, as the score loads on my computer, it is 3-2 to two Texas in the top of the ninth. And that is in the Monday game. Oh, that game. must have just so, happened. Yeah. That must have uh, just so, happened then. Yeah, they got a runner on second and two outs. So I'll see what the exact thing is. And I'm sure this is great radio for everybody listening after this game's completed. <laughs> but <laughs> um, when you look at this Series 7, what what stands out to you? So for the Rangers and Red Sox series, this one actually has some juice. Because when you look at both these teams, they're both in very similar spots record-wise. And both of them are playing in a division where, for all intents and purposes right now, that number one spot is going to be an uphill battle all season. Because for the West, it's really just the Astros you have to worry about. But they're so frick, like they're so good, it's, it's scary to think about chasing them. So that's what the Rangers have to deal with. The A's are making a push, too, which is a little... Uh, a little concerning too if you're a Rangers fan, but the Red Sox, um, the the Yankees and Rays are right now coming into tonight because the Yankees got postponed. The Rays are winning right now in Oakland, or in Tampa, I should say, playing Oakland. Um, but they were tied for first place, and the Sox are still seven and a half out or seven back. So when you look at just the ground, because you keep putting yourself in these holes, eventually you're gonna have to start playing like 700 ball to the end of the season just to get where you need to get to. Um, if that's a division title, if that's what we're talking about. So both these teams coming in with very similar records, very similar standings. At this point, it looks like they're both chasing that second wild card spot. Again, this is way too early to predict how it's going to end, but this series does have some meaning because if, say, the Rangers sweep the Red Sox or vice versa, the other team then has a small window to look at now between now and the end of July where the non-waiver deadline is to say, do we sell or do we buy? Do we add uh, incremental pieces or do we have to make a blockbuster to take us to that spot? So that to me, this is a very important series for both teams. And it's weird because we're talking about the Rangers and the Red Sox. Like, I don't think any of us thought that this would have as much implications as it, as it looks like it does right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and <clears throat> you mentioned, or this kind of goes back to the, the conversation, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago that we had, of do you push super hard uh, to get that second wild card to play for a for a one game playoff? Um, and for you know the Red Sox, I think it's it's a tougher decision for them because they're probably going to have the first wild card coming out of their division, whereas mm-hmm. the Rangers, uh, you know, I, I think Oakland's going to fall off. They they haven't like I think they're. I don't know. I, I'm tossing and turning on this because <laughs> I, I said last week that I think they can make a push. But in the the few days of baseball I've seen from them since, I'm not I'm not convinced at it. They had that really good stretch, and I got that, that ten and two stretch, and I bought it all in on them. And and since then I haven't been convinced. Uh, so I'm I'm like I'm liking the Rangers. I think it's a tougher decision for the Red Sox, regardless of how this series goes, to to push all in for this year or to punt on this year and make a piece for the future. Yeah, that's kind of where my thoughts are, too. I mean, for the Red Sox, it's not one of those things where they need to make the World Series every year. I mean, they've they've been winning consistently for the last 10 years, it seems like. 
I mean, there have been a couple down years in between, but to your point, yeah, like, do you really mortgage everything you have? Um, because their farm system is not very good, uh, by all accounts, at least. I'm not a, a scout, but from the way they rank them in MLB.com and the pipeline, they don't have a very deep farm system, so they don't have enough assets to really trade to get the pieces they might need. Again, it comes down to do you want to trade veterans to acquire more young talent or do you just look at your team saying this is an off year, we'll get them next year? Because, yeah, when you look at the Rays and the Yankees, so one of those teams is probably going to get the first wild card spot. So you're going to play one of those teams then to play into the playoffs. For me, it's just kind of like ah, they're familiar with them, but both teams know each other at that point. So is it worth it going out to – sell big uh one of your only prospects that you have to get that one veteran on a on a contract year to take you over the hump i just don't think they have enough this year to compete with what we've seen come from the rays the yankees the astros for sure even the twins right now it's just, there's too much competition in this you know in this league in in general so yeah i don't know i think on the rangers the flip side is you haven't sniffed the postseason for a while this is a great opportunity for you to show show the fans that when you see something open like this, a window, so to speak, you will take advantage of it. So if the Rangers keep pace the way they're doing right now, then I, th- I think they would make that kind of move. I can see them doing something um, not dramatic, but a, a big enough move to signal to the fan base that, yeah, we're going for it. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Um, all right, and coming to some more big news from yesterday. Huh. This is outstanding. I love this. Mad Bum and Max Muncy <laughs> bumping chests going around the bases. Max Muncy absolutely obliterates a baseball. Mad Bum gets butt hurt. Uh, tells him don't don't look at the hurt. ball like that. Yeah, we got oh zing. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Bum says if you, uh, d- don't stare at the ball like that. Max Muncy with the most amazing comeback of all time. If you don't like the hit, go get it out of the ocean after hitting it into McCovey Cove. <laughs> Fucking outstanding. Um, just oh immediate reaction because I loved it. I absolutely loved it. What do you got, Seven? So I was I was watching the game, um, and this game ended one nothing. That was the deciding run, which was even better when you think about it, just in hindsight. Um, yeah, Bumgarner, so for all intents and purposes, he – he gave up a bomb, like an absolute nuke to Muncie, and the thing landed so deep into the cove. But I almost killed the kayaker. There, there was, yeah, there was. I don't think there was more of a. It, was, it wasn't so much a backflip as it was just him standing and admiring what he had just done. Oh, it was the same thing. And, it was the same thing Dietrich did in the beginning of the year when, yeah. when he hit that ball into the river in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's it's almost the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean. For this being the only run scored, Bumgarner, I th- obviously he's frustrated. He's playing for the Giants this year who are just not doing well. They haven't been good for the last couple of years. And I think he's just, like, it's getting to him. It's like, he probably even knew, like, if I give up a fucking run, like, are we going to be able to score any? Um, <laughs> so, that, like, honestly, that might be where his mindset was. But at the same time, it's, you know, dude, you just got taken to the absolute fucking pacific ocean right now you really gonna try to talk shit to the guy that just did it 
Um, <laughs> so I love Muncie's reaction, and I love that line. If you don't like it, go get it out of the ocean. That was perfect. But, yeah, um, Bumgarner, I don't know. I bet he's hoping he gets traded at this point. I know he has the no-trade clause in his contract, but I'm thinking if this shit keeps up, because to give up one run over seven innings against the Dodgers and get a loss, I mean, that's that's pretty much the story for this Giants team all year. So I can't imagine him feeling too good about staying a Giant. Yeah. Matt Bum's Matt Bum's always been one of those guys that that interests me, because um, he's like you said he's in just a an absolute shit spot. Uh, he goes he does just dumb shit like this, and then he, or he'll go out on dirt bikes and I mean, <laughs> like what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I think they 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 have to take his ATVs away from him. After that. There's no yeah. way they're letting him go over the jumps anymore. Exactly, like, like you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna say shit like this when you're the guy that separated his shoulder, fucking playing on a dirt bike. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't be both of those guys. You can't be the fun guy. I'm gonna go out on a dirt bike, and then the 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 no fun committee basically be the NCAA out there and fucking tell Max Muncy not to stare at his home run. No, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. All right. So when you think notable bat flips, what comes to mind for you? I think you and I probably think of the same one. Uh, Jose Bautista. Yep. That October baseball, nothing better. Just pimped the shit out of that home run. That wasn't even a bad flip. That was like just that was a, a bad fucking, throw. That was a throw. That was just an absolute fucking missile he launched, and just the reaction of everything. And of course, you know that led to what would come later with Rignard Odor and him. But that was definitely my favorite one, just for the the pure like theatrics of it. In the in the postseason like that, uh, I was like, I think a lot of these bat flips you have to add the stage into it. Like, I mean, when you because th- like what comes to mind for me is like like you said the Joey Bats one. Obviously, Tim Anderson right now is coming to mind. You know, modern day Jackie Robinson. Um, oh, fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but like Cespedes in the World Series or not? Uh, not uh, Cespedes. Uh, fucking. God, why am I blanking on his name? Puig in the World Series yep, last year. Yep, yep. Um, I think the stage adds into a lot of them. And in the one-game wild card, it was only like the third iteration we'd seen of the one-game wild card. And they, none of them had really been good games. And now you get a game on the line, and, and Jose Bautista absolutely launches a baseball to Ontario. <laughs> and, and then just... It gives the most savage moment in in recent baseball history. That's that's probably the best of all time right now. It has to be just for because that was a, that's truly like a turning point for this whole bad flip discussion too. When we think bad flip, like yeah, you know everyone kind of admires their home run. They throw the bat a little bit and they go on their way. Bautista had a fucking stare down with that thing and just like to your point, threw the bat. It wasn't even like a flip, and it was just so, so emotional too. So. Yeah. And it really kind of changed the way guys go about this now. Like, Tim Anderson, we saw this year, of course, in April, no bigger stage than that against the fucking Royals when he absolutely just pimped the shit out of his. Oh, wait, hold on a second. That wasn't in the fucking wild card game. That was in the the ALDS. Yeah. Fuck, I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) I didn't even catch that, so I would have kept it. But, but yeah, no, like, the Tim Anderson thing, coming in April against Brad Keller and the Royals, like, dude, I get it, you act like you've been there before a little bit um because that the moment there is just not right it's the royals 
It's April, and it's Brad Keller. Like, I guess he thought it was a lot better than I did. I, I it was a regular fucking home run to me. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a missile by any means. No, it was. Like, it was. It a wasn't a walk. It wasn't a walk off. It was. What inning was it in? It was only like the second or third. It wasn't even. Yeah, like, <laughs> high stakes. It, it was just. It was a home run. Um, and of course, now we have the bad blood between the Royal, uh, Royals and the White Sox, which I guess you could attribute to Tim Anderson. A little bit. Um, I don't want to give him too much credit because he actually kind of pisses me off with that shit. And then his quotes after saying, "He's yeah, the I wanna, new." He's I was. The I want to find Jackie the Robinson. I want to find the actual quote here. Yeah. So we can uh, we can uh, attribute this correctly. Yeah. We'll keep going while I'm looking this up. But no, like some of the other bat flips. So like we have this list of all these bat flips with some video of it, and most of the names here are like kind of names you'd expect. Uh, a lot of guys, not to say that they're not class acts, but they um, they definitely wear their emotions on their sleeves a little bit more. Uh, Yohan Assessment has had a, had a big one a few years ago. It's Todd Frazier's Grand Slam. Uh, of course, Todd Frazier, we've talked about him and, and uh, his boy Adam Eaton at length a little bit on this podcast before. But <laughs> Todd uh, Frazier, for being this late in his career, has gotten a lot of run on this podcast. He really has, and he hasn't really done much either. He's like not a very good player, but... No. Whatever. And like... So like another another piece. Sorry to cut you off. No. Um, in this whole bat flip discussion is like until that Jose Bautista one, like to me the swaggiest or the the best bat flips or home run celebrations were bat drops. Like I think Griffey and Barry Bonds. Yep. Had just had the coolest home run celebrations when they would do it. And it, well, it was Griffey, just a, it, Griffey Griffey was just for sure. Man. Griffey was just that was perfect. Uh, it, like his, he was so like stoic in his at bats anyway. Like you never saw him like strike out, and when he would just get a hold of one, like he knew it, we all knew. But like him just kind of like dropping the bat behind his shoulder like that and just starting to walk a little bit, like that was pure power. And obviously Griffey is one of the greatest of all time, so we kind of expect it. And, and of course he would only hit those home runs when he didn't pinch his nutsack before the game <laughs> on his cup. So. But, yeah, no, I know what you're saying exactly. It didn't become, like, a big, like, turning point until the, the Joey Bat situation against the Rangers. Because I feel like, for the most part, it was, like, kind of an unwritten thing. Like, all right, yeah, get, give him a second to just admire it and then let him go. Now it's, yeah. now it's you know, tempers flare. Uh, we see it all the time now, I feel like. And then pitchers get a little bit angry, um, which I guess kind of leads me to my next question for you. Like, when do you think it's okay? To do the bat flip. Ooh. Okay, so I think anytime anytime you hit a nuke, I think you can absolutely you can bat flip. Okay. Um. Other than that, I think it's got to be a walk off. I, I think anytime anytime you hit a walk off home run, it's cool to, to 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 bat flip. Um. Hmm. Let me think on this a little bit. What do you got? What do you think on that? So my thing is anytime it impacts the score of the game. To your team's advantage. Okay, so anytime you take the lead or you extend the lead, both. Okay. But in that same, in, in that same thought, I think like a Tim Anderson situation. It, there has to be stakes. It cannot be a game on you know April fifteenth or whenever it was. It can't be against the last place team, and it can't be in like the second inning, right? It, I I need some juice yeah. with this one. Like if it's if we're talking like deadlocked or a one-run game, and you hit an absolute piss missile that just 
you know, energizes the whole club and go for it. But I think when it impacts a score in that type of a way, not to say like I just took the lead, when it when you impact the game late and it affects the outcome and it sways your team positively, then go for it. That's for okay. me, that's like my ground rules for it. Okay, I like I I'm actually gonna completely piggyback on that. I'm gonna steal that. Um I think and you know what, here I'm gonna go on this too. Any any time in the postseason. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. And who who just, no it's October baseball. Not everyone gets to play in October, so enjoy the moment. And you hit you hit the nail on the head with the word juice. October baseball is the juice. Oh my god, that's the juice. That honestly, like play, playoff anything is great, but I feel like October baseball, when you get into like the the championship series and on, every at bat is just like you're Especially when your team's in it and you're just watching those at bats, it's a, it's a chess match, right? So exactly when you see something big like that happen, like oh my god, like with uh, I mean, sorry to bring it up, but when no, Greg Bird hit that fucking missile against the Indians <laughs> off of uh, Andrew Miller, that was yeah. like two yeah two years ago now. Oh my god, I I thought I was gonna lose my fucking mind. I can I actually bought a Greg Bird jersey after that. Which was that was, was that the extra innings game? No, I don't think it was. Um, because it might, actually, it might have been because there was the game where uh, Francisco Lindor doinked one off the foul pole, and I was I was at that game. Oh, uh, right. yeah, and, and you mentioned Greg Bird. Our whole section kept calling him Craig Terry. I was I was it was awesome. <laughs> section five seven five, yeah. baby. Um, so, I can't believe I got a Greg Bird jersey because of that fucking home run. The guy is, uh, uh, he's the worst. So. I can't believe you have a Craig Turd jersey either. Um, well, it goes to show you the, the impact of October <laughs> baseball. Absolutely. Okay, so so we'll wrap up on bat flips with this. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on pitchers, just in general, retaliating to bat flips? Like, we saw Mad Bum do it here. Um, obviously, Brad Keller earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? I'm not a huge fan of it just because, and I, I guess I should say it like, if a batter has way less of a success rate, I feel like, in general, so than a pitcher. So if, if a batter wants to pimp a home run a little bit, wants to do a bat flip, whatever, celebrate, let them have it because odds are they're not going to hit another one. And if they do, then more power to them. But... I feel like as a pitcher, you, a pitcher has the upper hand in almost every situation. So for for them to get so upset and like the Keller thing for me, that was a big because he like he handled that like such a little boy throwing at Anderson's head right after, which was like dude, yeah, like really, like Bumgarner for me, like I if you want to have some words, I don't give a shit about that, but if you know if you're gonna start causing like a scene now and we have to wait on every pitch and the ejections are going to come, then I think it's just silly for a pitcher to retaliate in any way like that. Uh, if you're going to have some words, go for it. But other than that, I, I don't think the pitcher has any right to really go after the batter. Yeah, agreed 100%. Especially especially when we see pitchers nowadays, more than I think any time in history, like absolutely, like they K, they K a dude up and then you fist pump off the mound. And uh, oh, yeah. we saw Stroman backpedal off the mound earlier in the year. Like, like and then yeah, of course a dude's gonna bat flip off you. Duh. Yeah, if you act like a, if you're gonna go crazy like that after every pitch, then yeah, you deserve it. And I don't care who hits the home run at that point. 
Uh, just real quick to extremely wrap it up. Did you see Mississippi State uh, Elijah McNeil yes. <laughs> and the umpire got on him? Yeah, I did. I saw that. That was awesome. That's the biggest thing of bullshit I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was embellished a little bit, but, yeah, it, I, that was great. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are darn near the halfway point of the season. We're about 60 games in, so we're about 20 games off the halfway point. So let's take a look. Let's move forward. Let's go not super hot takes, but let's predict here. Let's go AL and NL MVP, and uh, let's take a look, take a stab at the Cy Young, too. What do you think? Yeah, I can do that. So, you want to start this one? Yeah, I'll start off. Um, I for the AL, my AL MVP, uh, I got Mike Trout. He leads leads in WAR, leads in OPS. He's top five in homers. He has 42 RBI this year. Um, I think with Mike Trout, it's I call it the LeBron effect, mm-hmm. where he's so dominant every year that you could probably give him the MVP every year. But we choose like if we're if we're talking who is the most value to their team, Mike Trout is is clear cut, and I think that's that's why the stat war jumps off the page so much to me because he is so far above a replacement level player. He is the most valuable player in baseball, and, and it's a damn shame that he's sitting and rotting in Anaheim, and not and and the nation doesn't get to see him. You know what I mean? Oh no, absolutely. I like I like that, you know, the LeBron effect that you just kind of pointed out because for me, like I'm looking at a different guy. I'm looking at Joey Gallo, and I think the reason I'm looking at Joey Gallo is because I'm so sick of hearing about like the players that we've come to know, uh like Trout. Not to say like I'm sick of seeing him because I think he's amazing, but I don't know, like I I just think for when we see another player come along that might not be doing the exact same as Trout or might not be in the same league as Trout, for that matter. But seeing someone like Gallo, who this year he's first in slugging in the AL, he's at, he has a career-high average. I know it's only like 278, maybe a little bit higher now. Um, but, you know, 41 RBIs, one less than Trout, 17 home runs, same as Trout. So this is a guy, and his team is, uh, you talk about who's important to their team, Joey Gallo might be the most important to his team right now in terms of, where they are in the standings. We talked about the Rangers earlier. They're making a, a bit of a push here. And so so I look at it like that, the whole effect that Gallo's had. And I think I just wanted to take Gallo just because it's uh, it's someone that's not Mike Trout, if that makes sense. That's fair. That's yeah. 100% fair. And I think with baseball, it, more than any other sport, it's so hard to quantify most valuable because any guy – is only one out of nine, and he can only come up four times a game. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Whereas 100%. you know, whereas basketball, you know, I can put the ball in LeBron's hands. I can I can put Tom Brady under center and and say, okay, here's the ball, go make a play. Uh, and the Indians, unfortunately, in sixteen, were a perfect example of this. Is you had a, had great players, and in, with Game Seven of the World Series on the line, you had to turn to Michael fucking Martinez. <laughs> yep. But you're right, though. You're right. You have no. You really don't have any control over how these players can impact the game and when they can do it, too. So I agree 100% with your take there that baseball, it's like, who is really the most valuable player when if we're going top to bottom? And do we look at the body of work or do we have to look at things like, you know, a Gallo situation where are the Rangers that good right now without Gallo? I don't think so. But... Hmm. 
it's it's but again we don't know when Gallo's doing this damage right I don't yeah. have enough time to go through every one of his at bats to see how he impacted the game with every swing but I can say just from a logistics standpoint looking at the body of work that yeah he's probably been a very valuable player to his team yeah absolutely all right uh I know you I know your NL pick so why don't you just go ahead and tell me it's Cody Bellinger my triple crown winner um I don't even have to get into it. He's just, he's a beast this year. Yeah, I'm going to go. Honestly, I, I everybody else in the NL is fighting for second place at this point. I'm going to yep. go ahead and say Bellinger. I won't say Bellinger. But second, I think the guy leading the second place votes right now is Christian Yelich. Yeah. Uh, I think he's an absolute stud. He's got 24 homers. He's hitting 340, for God's sakes. Um, he's... He, He's got an OPS of of 1.191. The guy's great, but like you said, he's fight. Or like we said, he's fighting for second place because Bellinger's yep. just absolutely tearing it up. Uh, what about your Cy Youngs? Cy Young uh, for me for the AL. Uh, we talked about him last week on the pod, but Lucas Giolito, I have just been so impressed with him. He this is. I mean, we talked about it at length, but. To be able to come back from being legit the worst pitcher in the league, when you're fighting, and and Jordan said this to us offline, but when you're fighting with Homer Bailey all year to not be the worst, which was the case last year, to going to the best pitcher in your respective league, it's it's amazing. He's leading all AL pitchers in war, and he's top five in every category. And... What I found very interesting is that his ground ball rate is 36%, which tells me that he's not letting anyone get good contact on him, right? And I've watched some of his games. That game against the Astros might have been his coming out party. The complete game shutout, um, that was ridiculous, just seeing how he pitched in that game. And in that situation, in that atmosphere, just controlling the moment, um, I am all in on Lucas Giolito. I think he's finally turning into that mega prospect that everyone was kind of heralding as, you know, the next big thing. Uh, I think he's finally living up to that billing. So the White Sox should thank their lucky stars for Adam Eaton because without him, I don't think Giolito is on this team. Yeah. Um, was he? Giolito wasn't drafted by the... He was drafted by the National. Yeah, Adam Eaton. Yep. Yeah, that was when they had uh, the... The family feud with Drake LaRue. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that crazy turn of events. But, yeah, so I think uh, Giolito is definitely my pick right now. Yeah. For me, uh, it's I can't believe I'm saying this. Justin Verlander, at the old age of a million, is a, is just dominating the, the American League right now. He's got a 2.31 ERA. Uh, he leads the American League in whip with .73. He's tied for third in strikeouts. Um, I think it's a garbage stat, but the Cy Young voters love it. He leads the American League and wins. Yep. Um, it, it's it's crazy, you know, to to think about just how much of an improvement we saw from him uh, when he came over to Houston. Um, and and this is from just how dominant he was. I mean, he's already a seven-time All Star. Only he won an MVP and a Cy Young. That's right. A pitching triple crown unbelievable and and now he's still about to he finished second in Cy Young last year and he's I think he's gonna win it this year I mean the numbers you get yeah the numbers you just gave aren't detracting at all I mean I just 
I look at it like this, and it's similar to the MVP thing when we because for all intents and purposes, I think the Cy Young should be. I don't think a pitcher should be able to get an MVP if that makes sense. They have the Cy Young for a reason. Mm. Um, I like this. I like this take a lot. I know, I know Verlander has an MVP, and you could argue he was the most valuable player. But like, dude, you won twenty four games that year. Oh no, for a hundred percent, he was extremely valuable. But you're pitching every fifth day. Um, we talk about how hard it is to quantify batters getting, you know, four at-bats a game. Think about a pitcher, and true. he's not even pitching in every game. That's true. That's my biggest detractor right there. But I, I look at Verlander's body of work, and he had a, those down years in Detroit at the end there before he came to Houston. I think it just re-energized him. Playing year in, year out for the pennant uh, for a World Series now, and we're seeing, like, just we always knew the guy had talent. Um, but he seems to be getting better with age, which is frightening, to say the least. I just look at Giolito and his story from true rock bottom to, you know, budding superstar. Um, there's there's too much there for me to say. And I know the White Sox aren't a good team, so I can't say he's, like, impacted the race for the playoffs in any way. But at, at least with him, he's he's beating good teams. He beat Verlander's Astros. Um he he's continuously just getting better and better with each start. So that's how I'm kind of grading it right now. And, again, this is way too early to predict, but this is why we're doing it, right, just to have a quick little sample of what we have. Yeah, and I think it, I think with with these predictions, it all depends on, on, like, you know, like we talked about with the MVP, how do you define value? I think how do you define the Cy Young? Is it the most dominant pitcher or is it the most valuable pitcher? For me, it's the most valuable pitcher. It's not the most dominant. It's the most valuable. And I think in most cases, both are interchangeable when when it's all said and done. Yeah. Because when you think about it, the most valuable is going to be your most dominant, right? Um, which brings me to a point that I don't want to get into because it's a sour spot for me when I think Mariano Rivera should have got the Cy Young in 2005 and they gave it to Big Sexy, but that's for a different time. <laughs> but cause I think Again, he was the most that, dominant and most valuable to that team. So that's a really good idea for an off-season pod. Is like things that we're still so bitter about years later. Uh, I am so bitter. About <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about your NL Cy Young? My NL Cy Young, keeping it with the Dodgers again in the NL, uh, Hyunjun Ryu. And I looked at this guy's numbers, man. Sub two ERA, one thirty-five ERA, nine wins. I know for garbage stat, uh, but nine wins already. His whole thing is he's just he's an assassin. Um, he has a .56 base on ball per nine ratio, so he's not walking anyone. And the other cool thing about him, when he does let people on base, 93% of them are left on base. So That's he's not insane. letting anyone come around. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe when I saw that stat. I thought it was like a video game number. But, yeah, he's like quietly been under the radar just – absolutely killing it and I know he plays for such a good team but you know for everything we hear about the Dodgers with Walker Buehler and still Clayton Kershaw and all these other names Ryu is just a, a silent assassin in that rotation he's really just kind of the glue that's keeping it all together yeah and, and I think the NL is kind of a snooze right now because I'm going to agree with Ryu um because you look up and down he leads in in darn near every statistical category that, that's worth talking about with pitchers um uh, but with with me I'm going to be contrarian again I think you got to go look at Scherzer uh mm-hmm. he he leads the NL in strikeouts he leads in innings and he leads in FIP I'm not sure how much stock I put into FIP as a stat I like it but I it's one of those stats that I don't fully understand 
but I know it's it's a it's a, a good indicator of dominant pitching because it's, it's a three true outcome stat, right? Yeah, it, it's kind of like the pitching equivalent of batting average of balls in play. That's okay. how I look at it. Um, okay, at least that's how I quantify it. I think it's I I do like FIP because it's such a good like aggregate type of a stat that it's not going to show up on the back of a baseball card. But or maybe it will now. Who fucking knows? Sabermetrics is like taking over the world. But for all intents and purposes, like you're never gonna say, oh, like his FIP is leading the league. He's like, no. We use it more or less. Just at least I use it as kind of a rounding out stat, just to see if these numbers are lining up with what we're looking at for the most part. So, that, but yeah, I, I think it has stock. I just don't think it has enough to sway me one way or the other when it's all said and done for, yeah. for an award like this. Yeah, and, and looking at the at the uh, the formula, for those that don't know, 13 times your home runs plus three times your walks plus hit-by-pitches minus two times your strikeouts over inning pitched plus the constant league average FIP. Or, and league average FIP is the same as league average ERA. Yep. I mean... I don't know. I love these new age stats because I'm a big numbers guy. I love diving into numbers. But 13 times your home run, like, like who thinks of this shit? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I like the stats when they provide value enough for, like, for layman's terms, for when your average fan can keep up with them. Yes. Um, if that makes sense. Because I, I know you and I, like, we love baseball, so we're obviously going to digest everything we can and try to make sense of it but you know we're just talking about a guy that doesn't really watch the games and we're gonna start quizzing him on fucking fip and batting average of balls in play and war and all this other shit like i I don't know that i feel like there has to be enough to this stat where i can explain it to someone who's never watched baseball versus how you and i kind of take these numbers and we rationalize them yeah exactly it's one of those things that like I, uh, I should be able to like if I'm gonna put true uh, weight or whatever you know, like uh, substance into a stat, I should be able to calculate it myself. I feel like exactly. Like, yeah. I sh- I shouldn't need to know a league average. Like I love the stat WHIP. It's actually probably my favorite stat right now. Yeah. Uh, when when I, when I'm looking at pitchers, I can calculate WHIP. If I want to go to the team I coach and, and a parent comes to me and say, Hey, what's my kid's FIP? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I not even joking. My dad asked me to ask me what his kid's war was two years ago. Oh well, I don't know, sir. Maybe so, yeah. you... <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, I don't know the the average replacement player stats of the high, of high school baseball. Yeah, let me just open up a spreadsheet real quick. And <laughs> we'll get little Johnny's war calculator for you in a jiffy. Exactly. Like like I sh- That's kind of how I look at it. But um, you know, it, life goes on. One way or another, I think Ryu is going to be the Cy Young. Everybody else is fighting for second place. If if you know things continue as they are now, yeah, of course. I mean, we're we're in mid June, so. But I did like breaking it down like this because we're creeping up now to like that halfway ish mark. Um, so this is where people start to separate themselves. Um, so I am glad that we touched on it because I I'm interested to see at the end of the year when we come back if we were right. And yeah, me too. And I think that's the beauty of looking at baseball like this because there's so many games in a season. So to take a stab at it right now, uh, it's just fun. Oh, my gosh, this is great. Yeah, it's just to look at where everyone is, where the teams are, 
Because, you know, in a month from now, who's to say that Joey Gallo isn't going to revert back to real Joey Gallo and strike out 200 times? Uh, yeah. That's that's the thing about baseball. You just never really know. All right, so uh, let's go to our fantasy corner. Uh, no, we're going to take a different different approach to it this week. We're going to give you some of the some of the best lit waiver ads you can have for this week. And uh, for me, I'm looking at Jay Bruce to start. He's had a heck of a week, slashing uh, 381, 104, 48, and then 1429. Four homers, 11 ribs, only one walk in his last 21 at bats. Jay Bruce tearing it up. You know, there's probably a good likelihood that he's, that he's available in your. Or I'm sorry, at he's uh he's rostered in your league. But if he's available, if he's waivers, get on him. I love Jay Bruce. Uh, who do you who are you looking at? I'm looking at a uh, very rare name to be seeing on any list when we're talking about who you want on your team, because it seems like no one has ever really wanted this person on their team in real life. Uh, Travis Darno, right now in the Rays. Um, cast off from the Mets, and that's saying something. So to be able to be picked <laughs> up, by, <laughs> to be able to be picked up by uh, a first place team in the AL East, and the last seven days he's playing sparingly, only eleven at bats. He's splitting time right now, but when he's been playing, he's been absolutely killing it. Three home runs, eight RBIs. He's a catcher, obviously, which is the thinnest position in fantasy baseball. So if you have a two catcher league, or you just need someone to plug and play. Dealing with an injury, Darno is not looking like a bad pickup, and I can't believe I just said that. So <laughs> I would not rush to get him, but I would monitor this situation and think if he's going to be putting in good at bats like this on a raised team that is playing some good baseball, um, we'll see. Because I know he, he has been known to call a pretty good game for his pitcher, so and I know that's important for the Rays. So he might be getting some more play as we keep moving forward here. All right, I got another one for you. Uh, if I told you 11-year veteran, last two starts has gone 14 two-thirds, sub-2 ERA, sub-1 whip, and owned in just 4% of leagues, would you hop on that? I'd probably hop on that. Uh, then you might want to take a look at Wade LeBlanc of the Ooh. Seattle Mariners. And that's a name, like, kind of like Darnode, I don't think I would ever even think to put on a fantasy roster. Uh, he had a rough start to the year, but it seems like he's starting to turn the corner. If you're thin at pitching and, and you need to maybe shake things up to make that move, uh, kind of like the Rangers, if you're trying to push for a playoff spot, uh, LeBlanc might be your guy. Yeah, LeBlanc's like a weird situation. It's like any pitcher that's playing for a really bad team that's doing really well as we're approaching that magical time of year, which is the trade deadline. Um, pick him up now while he's still available because he could be traded to a contender. And who knows, if this guy go, goes to a better team where he just needs to be a back-end starter, he's going to get favorable matchups, and he can come get out some and give run you five. Support. Yep, exactly. Give you five, six innings, pick up a few wins here and there. That's not a bad that, – that's, that's bargain hunting right there. That's the Christmas tree shop at baseball, and you can go get Wade LeBlanc right now. He's owning 4% of leagues, and that's accounting for every league right now so if he's available not a bad guy to pick up and you mentioned uh a team maybe going and getting him he might have the most team-friendly contract one-year deal for 2.75 million with three straight team options oh yeah so he'll definitely be i I, i'll say right now he'll be traded he'll he'll be traded by the by the non-waiver deadline 
Take a stab. Who to? Ooh. Ah, uh, shit. You put me on the spot. <laughs> um, Here, I'll, 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 make, I'll make it simple. They keep them in the AO or they move them leagues? Ooh, I think you're, you're probably going to be looking at someone moving leagues, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think the Mariners would have to it have to be an NL deal if they're going to move him. I, I agree. I th- honestly, the Cardinals probably could use him, and I think the Cardinals have a deep enough farm system where they wouldn't have to give up too too much to get him, and he'd fit nicely in that rotation that's a lacking a lot of lefties. Um, so yeah, just that's my stab right there. Wade LeBlanc will probably be a Cardinal. I like that a lot. Uh, anybody else jumping out to you on the on the waiver wire? Yeah, if you're in need of saves, like uh, a few people are, I believe, at this time in the year, um, and you didn't get Craig Kimbrell for whatever reason, uh, Hector Neris is owned in 61% of leagues, which might seem a little high, but for closer, it's actually pretty low. Last seven days, he has three saves, uh, six strikeouts, and he's given up zero earned runs. And another bonus for him, he plays on the Phillies, he plays in the NL East, he'll be pitching against the Marlins, the Mets, and the Nationals. Um, so go get him if he's available. He's a good source of saves, gets you those points where you need him. And not saying you have to keep him the whole year because who knows what's going to happen with this bullpen, but for right now, Hector Neris is pitching very, very well. Huh, I like that a lot. I, and, and I mean, if I checked my fantasy app, which we've discussed at length on this <laughs> podcast, I'm done with it. <laughs> um, then, then he might be a guy. But if you're like me and you're tired of playing season-long fan- fantasy after being married to injuries or just you know just being done with fantasy baseball uh, at a season-long rate, rate, check out the check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a new prop bet-based daily fantasy lineup game. The concept's pretty simple: choose an over/under for a player's given statistic. Think Wade LeBlanc earned runs, Raphael Devers uh, runs plus RBIs, and if you combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night, you cash in. Thrive Fantasy is located in the Apple and Google Play Store. For June, receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. So whether you're looking to play $2 games or $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. Use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, and receive $10 free when you deposit $10 through PayPal. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. And and speaking, and I've, I've talked to it a few times, I hate season-long fantasy. I gave it one last try this year and already deleted the app. It's June. I'm done with it. Um, <laughs> Thrive Fantasy has stayed on my phone, and it has been on there uh, pretty consistently. I've, I've, I, play, I play at least two, three times a week, and it's, it's fun. You, know, it's, you win some, you lose some, but it, it keeps you coming back for sure. That's what's great about DFS, though, right? Change it every yeah, day. I mean, exactly. You, you can look at it and look at the matchups you want. I know we subscribe to Stathead and get that newsletter, and we can look at matchups that we want to exploit, and Thrive is the perfect platform for that. So, yeah, absolutely. Prop up with us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, let's uh, let's skip our batter's box and call it to the pen. We kind of hit a lot of different hitters there and a couple pitchers as well. Let's just go straight to our curtain calls. Seven, what do you like? So... I'm going to say this, and we hinted at it earlier, and it might be because I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I will say that the Rangers are going to get that second wild card spot. And for all seriousness, the reason I'm picking them is just 
what this team is doing. They're overachieving, and I've seen when teams overachieve, it tends to be good juju, and I think they're going to keep it going. Um, loving what Joey Gallo is doing. I'm loving what Miner's doing in that uh, that ace spot and that pitching rotation for them. And just the whole team in general is just, they're on a roll. They need uh, a couple things to fall their way. They could use a third baseman as well. But for right now, I'll take the Rangers to get that second wild card spot for that play-in game. I like that a lot. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, you know, Rangers and Red Sox going to the 11th as we speak. Um, I would love to see the Rangers back in the postseason. They're just one of those teams that are fun to watch in the postseason. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Even for if it's me, a one-game plan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if they can get, uh, what is it, Globe Life Park now? think so yeah it, it used to be like, just yeah. real real simple the ballpark at arlington yep. um, but if they can get globe life park rocking man there are few uh few other stadiums besides your traditional ones that rock that hard in the postseason for sure uh for me i like uh, uh our favorite punching bag the mets i think they're getting swept this weekend <laughs> the cardinals need they need to make a move they need to to, to gain some ground here uh, at time of recording, they sit at 31 and 32, seven back of the Brewers in the Central, six back of that uh, wild or that second wild. I'm sorry, yeah, six back of that second wild card spot in the National League, and they need to make a move, and it's got to be now. Um, you know, we mentioned maybe Wade LeBlanc getting getting moved over there. Um, I would love. I I think they're going to come in hot this weekend. I think this is the weekend that Goldschmidt turns it around. And he's going to beat up on our favorite punching bag, the Mets, this weekend. They're going to get a sweep. Love it. Uh, so let me ask you as we wrap things up here. You've been watching the Stanley Cup Finals? I know Boston's uh, pretty bumping right now. Yeah, been watching it. Big Bruins guy? No, I'm actually, uh, I don't really have any hockey affiliation, to be honest. But I love the Stanley Cup playoffs, so uh, I'll keep watching it. I know not too, too much about hockey, but it's a great segue into another breakdown podcast here uh guys check out end-to-end puck talk great team over there churning out hockey content and i I believe that if i listen to them more i'll learn even more about the sport that i know nothing about now (laughs) (laughs) and you know i'm I'm a borderline hockey guy like like i baseball is my first love i'm and, and honestly in terms of what i watch most probably football second but there is nothing quite like the intensity of playoff hockey. We talked about how October baseball has got the juice. Man, June hockey has got the juice. Yes. Uh, and and game seven is Wednesday night. They'll have, they'll be releasing our ep- an episode then. Uh, so shout out to, to, to Tomas who uh, edited our last week's episode because I was in Indiana. And just an absolute gem of a podcast over there. Um, and sorry about the Boston guys, but go Blues. Play Gloria. <laughs> Let's rock and, hold, rock and roll one more time. Let's get Game 7 win. I'm a Blue Jackets fan first and foremost, but I don't want to see Boston win. All right, keep, fair keep, enough. keep those duck boats in the fucking garage. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to pour one out for Jordan. Um, miss you, bud. But for those who stayed with us, that wraps up Episode 5, 7. It's been a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. See you.